We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Air Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you, as always. For, for tuning in today, whether you're listening to this, whether you're watching it on YouTube, appreciate you all. Um, today is, well, when it drops anyway, Wednesday, which means, as always, I am joined by my good friend, Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. What's going on, dude? How you doing, man? Hey, it's good to, uh, it's good to be back, man. It feels like, feels like it's been longer than a week. I don't know what it is, but I guess that's a, that's a good thing. Let me ask you this, because if you're watching this, by the way, on the YouTube side, I, I usually don't do this, but I got Bill's gear on, and I'm usually an opponent of people who do that on their shows. But you know what? I'm just in that vibe today. So anyway, training camp starts. We, so we tape this on Tuesday mornings. I feel like I got to say this every week because you never know what might happen later on Tuesday. And then people listen or watch this on Wednesday, and you're like, how do you how do you not even bring this up? Well, because we taped this. Pretty much at, at nine o'clock in the morning on Tuesdays. Um, anyway, rookies report to training camp today for the Buffalo Bills. I think there's like maybe eight teams where rookies report, and the Bills are one of them. Let me ask you this before we get diving into uh today's show. Does it feel to you like the draft was recent? Like this, there's usually that lull between the draft and then the start of training camp where maybe it feels like forever, but for me, it doesn't. It feels like it just happened. See, I'm I'm a little different. I feel like yeah. this offseason has dragged on and on and on. I mean, I, I was looking the other day at when the preseason games start, which it's always board. like, you know, whenever you watch preseason football, right, you watch a game, you're just like, why am I doing this? Like, oh, my gosh, like I have some there must be something better I can do. But then you get to this time of the year where you've been without it for such a long period of time. And it's just like. Yeah, I need to see what Dorian Williams looks like, uh, you know, coming out of the half in a meaningless preseason game. But yeah, I'm at I'm at that point. It doesn't feel like it was yesterday to me. It is just like it cannot get here soon enough. Yeah, uh, it's so when is it draft? The end of April and we're at the middle of July right now. Um, it's been like a month. Yeah, I, I guess you could go either way with it. I don't know. I just feel like, you know, Anthony doing this for for like five, I think this is my fifth year, sixth year actually covering the Bills. 
on this show. And it always felt to me like after the draft, I would have to come up with all these different topics because there would be literally nothing going on to kind of, you know, just fill up those weeks going into the training camp. But I don't know, maybe that maybe it's because there's been so much shit going on with the bills this off season that like the stories just write themselves each week, having something to talk about. Well, there's been enough. I mean, the, the Stefan Diggs piece alone has given yep. you, you content to cover from the end of the Bengals game, right? Sure. I mean, it, it is really carried through each of those, those months. You're throwing in, you know, of course, free agency in the draft and those pieces. You get the Ed Oliver contract extension. That's enough of a, of a hot button. I mean, there's enough things that can, that can carry you through. But it's so different than last year, right? I mean, even as heartbreaking as 13 seconds was, Every national pundit had the Bills as a favorite, it felt like, to win the Super Bowl last season. Sure. This year, no one's really talking about them in that light, which I kind of in, enjoy it that way. I think it's being a little bit sure. more of an underdog is totally fine. So that part, I think, is different where heading into 2022, there was a momentum. It was just like, my gosh, remember what Gabriel Davis did in that game and Josh and yeah. blah, 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 and, you know, the coin toss, all of, of this type of piece, it just was carrying you through of, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get back on the field. This year with sort of that negative taste, again, the, the dig story has, has skewed much more negative than I think anyone has really wanted it to. So that's why for me, it just is, there has not that there hasn't been things to talk about, but you went from last year where everything felt so positive. Of how sure. great is this team going to be? And this year it's a little bit, you know, well, is Sean McDermott on the hot seat? And it, it, that type of stuff is, it's been different. I could agree with you more. A year ago, the Bills were a heavy favorite to, to go to the Super Bowl. It seemed like nothing could stop them except themselves. Everyone was saying Josh Allen is quarterback, maybe 1B to Pat Mahomes, 1A. And now, uh, you know, a year later, the Bills, in most people's eyes, are the third best team at best in the AFC. And, uh, you know, Josh Allen is that third quarterback now. And again, I'm talking nationally for the most part. Joey Burrow has passed him in the eyes of uh, most. Anyway, today on the show, we'll be counting down. We each have our own list. We do a starting five. I, I do this most weeks with Anthony now. Um, we're going to count down our five best Buffalo Bills on this team today. Um, our lists are pretty similar. There's a couple differences in positioning, one player on each of that. We'll get to that in just a minute. We'll talk about some other things as well with the team. And then we'll do our weekly uh, finish the sentence segment, which is always fun. I'm going to ask Anthony for, well, actually, I usually say non-Bills questions, but actually this week, one of them is a Bills question. Uh, um, a scenario that isn't going to happen, but we're just going to talk about it for fun anyway. So we'll get to that in just a few minutes. Real quick, though, before we get into today's episode, last week, I think it was, we did our five favorite Buffalo Bills of all time. Not necessarily five best Buffalo Bills, but it was our five favorite Buffalo Bills. And uh, one of them on my list was Eric Moulds. And I bring him up because yesterday was his birthday. And dude is 50 years old. I mean, you want to feel a little bit old. Eric Rollins turning 50. He just turned 50. But I don't know if you follow him like on social media or at least on Facebook. He's not on Twitter or keep up with him. Dude, he still looks like he can play in the NFL. Like literally right now. That's how stacked and in shape he still looks. It's crazy. Well, and saw some stuff recently too. He was doing some work with Khalil Shakir, which um yeah, you know, again, you see that part is as, as a fan 
bringing those two generations together, it always kind of, I don't know, it makes you happy when you see that type of a, of a legacy, but, but you're right on. Like he still looks like oh. he could go out and play, you know, tomorrow. Jerry Ostrowski put out a tweet yesterday that I thought it was absolutely perfect. He said, Eric Moulds is A.J. Brown before A.J. Brown is A.J. Brown. Just that type of receiver, that big body, strong, yeah. catch the ball in traffic way faster than you would think he is, productive receiver. I just thought that was uh, for young Bills fans who maybe didn't get to see Eric Moulds play. Just think of, think of A.J. Brown. Maybe even a little bit better than A.J. Brown, but on that level, that type of player. You agree with that? That sounds about right. No, that's a great comparison. And I think that is, uh, you know, and it's hard sometimes when you compare a guy from one generation to another. But I think that's about as close as you can come. So, yeah, Jerry's spot on there. Yeah. And by the way, going to throw a little bit of props here to Buffalo Rumblings. Jerry Ostrowski, not just former Buffalo Bill, but part of the Buffalo Rumblings team now. It does a line the game with, with Sarah Larson every week. Fun show to... uh to check out so make sure you guys check that out um one other thing too i i, I gotta say this i don't know how well you know joe at buffalo wins on twitter that uh crazy dude uh, anyways about to have his first kid in fact we're taping this tuesday god willing everything will go well his wife's being induced today so it's going to be a first time father the good news is um you won't be hearing him on this podcast much for a while because he's going to be Busy with uh, dad duties. I'm sure their child will come out of the womb already hating uh, Republicans and Bills fans and uh, all that other stuff. Listen, I will. I will say this. I, I. I mean, I know Joe from from social media, but yeah, really feel like I know him from when he's on this show with you. And I would listen to you guys daily. I, I truly would. I mean, I think the rapport that you have the ability to like truly go back and forth and still be friendly with each other, but you can tell that you get under each other's skin. Oh. Um, it, it is, but it is a, a fun listen. There is nothing else that I listen to as far as a <laughs> podcast when the two of you are, are together. And it just, uh, you know, to him and his wife, good luck. I, I do agree with you. I think the last time he was on, you asked him if like, you know, the fact that you're going to be a dad, is that, is that kind of making you a little bit softer and and, and we'll see it it might though i mean listen you know i i think his last couple <laughs> appearances you've you know even since he got married you've you've seen it kind of mellowed a little bit a little bit so. it, but he still has those trigger points that still get him going like not a fan of most bills media he hates when they put up golf pictures god that drives him crazy the golf he calls him the bills bro beat and then the golf bros and all that other stuff but anyway Best of luck to him on uh, having his baby. I'm sure he'll be back on again at uh, some point. He's itching. He's been bothering me to get on the podcast, quite frankly, leading up to having his, his baby over the last few weeks. But I, I've been booked, man. I got I got better guests, Joe. Sorry, dude. I got Anthony Marino, Marino on today, so so bug off. <laughs> anyway, all right, let's get down to business, man. I don't want to waste too much time here today. We're going to name, uh, this is our weekly starting five, and this week's category is Best Buffalo Bills Players Right now, um, I'll give you the floor first. I'll put your graphic up again. If you're watching this on YouTube, the graphic will be up. If you're listening on audio, Anthony is going to talk you through uh, his list, his five guys, and uh, why he has them up. So uh, let's get going. This is Anthony Marino's five best Buffalo Bills players today. Yeah, and, and I'll start at number five. And for me, it was Jordan Poyer. Um, I felt like I could have gone in a couple of different directions here. I was really wrestling between him and Mitch Morris. I think Mitch is 
completely underrated, just such a key component to the offense and the offensive line. But with Poyer, I think when you look at how he has just come along these last couple of years, how important he is to the defense. And mm-hmm. honestly, last season, you know, Micah Hyde, you lose him for the year, week two, right? The game against the Tennessee Titans and Poyer still being able to deliver each and every week. Cause there might've been some question out there beforehand, like, Hey, is Poyer that great? Or is it the combination of Poyer and Hyde? They just happen to work so well together. Well, you know, you put him with a, an unproven DeMar Hamlin and then you know, Dean Marlowe, who's in the latter stages of, of his career. And for Jordan Poyer to still play, not even just at a Pro Bowl level, but an all-pro level, um, being back there on a, a little bit of an island by himself. And I say that too, right? We've talked about the rotation at cornerback too. We talked about Tredavious White coming back later in the season and taking some time to kind of get reacclimated and back up to speed. Uh, so for me, Jordan Poyer was was number five, and I thought that was a pretty pretty easy pick. Okay. Um, um, go, ahead. go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I, when we get to mine in a few minutes, he's one player on your starting five that's not on my starting five. But I want to emphasize something here. It's not because I don't think he's a great player. It's because I think there's a legit somewhere between eight to even maybe even 10 candidates that could very easily be on my list. I agree with every single thing that you said about him, though. Yeah. So number four on my list, Von Miller. Mm-hmm. And I think it was so unfortunate last year that his season got cut short. Um, you know, we talked about the the Bills and kind of the disappointing finish in the playoffs. I mean, the defense was different without Von Miller on the field. That pass rush, I mean, you know, listen, he wasn't always perfect, but, you know, he made everyone along that defensive line better because the offense, they needed to know where he was. They needed to account for him. He was well on his way to having double-digit sacks. Um, I'm not sure when he will be back this season, right? He's he's kind of come back from this before. I think to to think that he will be back for week one is a bit overly optimistic. But whatever it is, right, the Bills need to see Von Miller on the field, down the stretch, in the playoffs, if they're going to have a chance to win the Super Bowl. And almost to that point where you can look at this season and just say, listen, w- once you get into the playoffs, if you've got a healthy roster and he's there as one of your 53, the, the Bills are going to be okay. So Von Miller, regardless how old he is, still one of the five best Bills. I got to say one thing about Vaughn, and I'll talk about him as well in a, in a couple minutes. I love him. He's a great player. I'm so happy he's a Buffalo Bill as a fan. He's still very productive. We saw that last year. But don't listen to Vaughn Miller when he says anything anymore that it, unless he's on the field, if he's talking about something that's going on on the field, I'll listen to him all day because he is a student of the game. He's an expert football player, but he don't know shit outside of that field. I'm telling you right now, and I love me some Vaughn Miller, but stop talking about Odell Beckham Jr. is going to sign here and DeAndre Hopkins is going to sign here. And because of that, when he says he's going to be back for week one, I literally don't believe him. I hope he is and I hope he's healthy, but I sure as shit wouldn't count on it. I don't believe anything. That comes, you know, when you have smoke season with GMs during the offseason leading up to the draft, I feel like every day is smoke season when Vaughn Miller is on a microphone. All due respect to him. Love the dude. One of my favorite football players in the league. So happy he's in Buffalo. But don't listen to that dude anymore. If he tells you any player, any free agents coming to Buffalo, rest assured he ain't coming. 
Sorry. But you know what? It is incredibly fun though when he gets on the mic because oh, you sure. you know you can you can think about stuff and just be like, gosh, what would it be like if Derrick Henry joined the Buffalo Bills? Oh, and then yeah, there's yeah. a picture of Von Miller working out with Derrick Henry, and he's going to be on some podcast saying like, <laughs> yeah, we would bring D Henry to Buffalo. And you're just you know you talk about giving you you content and things to talk about. Oh. Um, I I would like one of his predictions to come true. That would that would help. But uh, I'm I'm with you there. I'm being I'm being completely tongue in cheek by the way. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> People who didn't know that. All right, go ahead. Uh, number three on my list, Matt Milano, and just yeah. like the, everything with Milano, you know, one of those players. And I think, you know, as fans, you always get optimistic about a a fifth round draft pick. Like, hey, this guy kind of looks good in OTAs, and then he looks good in training camp, and then he looks good in the preseason, and then he flashes as a rookie, and it's just like. But, you know, sometimes it's just, eh, you know, the league figures out, they scheme around him or whatever it might be. Milano has just gotten better and better each and every year. Yeah. And I remember um, earlier in his career, the late, great Chris Wessling from the Around the NFL podcast. I don't know mm -hmm. if you ever listened to that show. I didn't. And Wes was one of those guys that very early on at a stage where the Bills didn't get a lot of love from national media. And he would talk about Matt Milano all the time. And I remember that of just being like, shoot, this isn't just me looking at things in, you know, Bill's tinted glasses that, you know, oh, Matt Milano's great and he should get more respect. Like, here's one of the most trusted names, you know, with NFL.com that really looks at things, a student of the game to say, Matt Milano, people are, are sleeping on him. And he just continues to get better and better when the Bills signed him to the extension earlier this offseason. Granted, you know, kind of got the the picture that, okay, that means Tremaine Edmonds isn't coming back. But Milano, you talk about how he played last season, how he continues to develop. Now, similar to what I said before with Jordan Poyer, it will be interesting to see how he does without Tremaine Edmonds as his running mate. Those two complemented each other very well. But when you talk about a guy that just makes plays behind the line of scrimmage, in coverage, does a fantastic job. He's still underrated, but it just uh, he's a perfect fit for Sean McDermott and his defense and uh, an easy choice at number three. Yeah, you said it all right there. And also to your point, he is underrated, which is funny because he's also an all pro linebacker. Yet I still feel to some extent he is underrated. It's a great pick, obviously. Number two, Stefan Diggs. Um, you know, the thing about Diggs is it's when he got to Buffalo, he was better than you hoped he would be. Right, that 2020 season, he comes out, and I don't know if it was just that he was underutilized in Minnesota, if it was he had something to prove, or if it, whatever it was, right? Because you can talk and be like, oh, hey, you know, great receivers in the game, but I don't know about you, I don't watch other teams as closely as I watch the Bills, right? So it's not like, oh, I'm focused on Tyreek Hill each week or Devontae Adams and what he was doing. Sure. And you start to watch Stefan Diggs in that 2020 season, you're like, Man, he's he's with us. Like, you know, you can talk about Eric Molds, you can talk about Andre Reed. Like he he might be the best of any wide receiver that the Bills have have ever had. And and trust me, I'm not a guy that gets into Madden ratings or things like that, but in any category that they have, he's going to be top five because yep. you know, you can talk about the the guys at reception perception or establish the run in their podcast. You know, they break down all of these metrics and they're like, He's great in the short game. He's great in the long game. He's great in the intermediary. He's he's great against zone. He's great against man. It's just like there's there's not a whole lot that he can't do. And I also think he's that type of player. His game is not you know it, 
speed is a part of his game, but that's not the most important factor to what he does. I do feel like he has the ability to age gracefully with the Bills, that he's not going to fall off of that cliff, that he'll be able to evolve and be effective. So Stefan Diggs, you know, easy choice at number two. He's a complete receiver. He does everything. Great hands, great route runner. He, he can catch balls in traffic. He can get past you. You know, he he can he can take uh, the cover off a of defense. He, he he does everything. So yeah, I, I, I mean, I'll talk it, about him more in a minute too. And, you know, number one, Josh Allen. I mean, do, <laughs> do I even have to Soccer! say? <laughs> I mean, it, it's just like you you look at all of this stuff. Cover of Madden. How he just you know. I always go back to the clip of Peyton Manning talking to him on the the Manning cast and just saying like, you know, I coach my son's football team and, you know, it, it says Jay Allen on the back of his jersey. Like, he's a freaking Manning. He's Peyton Manning's son and he's looking to emulate Josh Allen. That is who he he idolizes and wants to to be like. And for all the years of just waiting for that replacement to Jim Kelly and freaking trying to embrace guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick and Trent Edwards and freaking Dad Lewis or whatever his name was. You know what I mean? Like you go yeah. through all of this of hoping someone can be good enough. And now you've got like one of the top three quarterbacks in the game. Uh, just a different feeling, man. It feels good. It, it certainly does. And look, spoiler alert here, Josh Allen's going to be number one on my <laughs> list. And if you're watching, if you're listening, if Josh isn't number one on your list, I don't know what you're watching at this point. You got You got some issues. We agreed with four of the five for sure. Um, two and three might be flipped, or they are flipped. I'll get in that in a second. All right, so I'm going to bring up mine here. I'll start at number five. You went Jordan Poyer. I went Micah Hyde. And honest to God, Anthony, you could literally flip a coin right now, and sure. I, I would take either of them. To me, what I love most about Micah Hyde is, look, and, and again, I this is no knock on Jordan Poyer, and there's a couple other guys. Maybe we'll talk about this in a few minutes, too that aren't on either of our list that very easily could have been there. You brought up one I thought was a great choice, Mitch Morse. When it comes to Micah Hyde, he is consistent and as steady as they come. He doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't get beat. You don't get behind him. I think to some extent, now look, at the end of the day, the Bills went 13-3 and last year and they lost three games by a total eight points. So it's not like you can't say his, you know, his um, absence, you know, really made the defense spiral obviously that's not the case but this defense is at its best when Micah Hyde is back there he is your center fielder nothing gets past him he's a great tackler he's a smart player he's literally an all pro caliber safety um he's back this year I think you know when we talk about the offseason and all the uh the you know these additions that they made and they made plenty depth mainly depth um, additions and Jordan Boyer resigned, which was a very big, pleasant surprise. Um, with the exception of Vaughn Miller being back at some point this year, hopefully, obviously, uh, Micah Hyde returning too is just huge to this defense. Again, he's a big play. He makes plays at the biggest moments of games. You know, he doesn't have the interceptions like Boyer does. So, so, so Jordan puts up great numbers, and Jordan is a in himself a, an All Pro caliber player. There's just something a confidence that I have when Michael Hyatt is out there that you're just, you, you know, he's not going to get beat. And when you look at the options last year, I mean, DeMar Hamlin played pretty well, all things considered before the injury, it was his first full year as a starter. Dean Marlowe, you talked about him a little bit. And, and then you go down the line of other safeties, Jaquan Johnson, just guys that didn't work out. 
the the difference between having Micah Hyde in the, on the field and not having him is just night and day. I think he's one of the best safeties in the NFL still. I think Micah Hyde is one of those players that um, when you look back in in the the history of the Bills, and I don't want to age myself here, but like you know, last week we talked about Daryl Taylor, right? Mm-hmm. Someone that was so critical, so important. Yeah. underrated compared to the rest of the guys that that he played with. And maybe Hyde didn't get enough love on this just because, again, for me, because he was out last season for all but two sure. games. But you can look back at someone like him, and that was really that first signing when Sean McDermott came in. Hey, you know, what? what's going to happen? New coach, like, where is this going to, to go? And that was that first signing. It was really him and Poyer. But Hyde was that most important one. Here was the guy that was established in Green Bay, and he has been great ever since he's been in Buffalo. And that's not embellishing as a Bills fan. He has been a great player. And you're right. To have him back this season, uh, he was sorely missed. And I think he's another one of those, similar to what I said before with Diggs, um, I think the way he plays, that he can age a little bit more gracefully, maybe than someone like Jordan Poyer, right? Poyer taking the laying those big hits, right? Much more of a physical player than Hyde. Um, I know this is the last year of his contract, but yeah. I, I don't, you know, I think I think Micah Hyde is going to retire as a Buffalo Bill and he is going to make the call when he does. I hope so. And, you know, obviously Josh Allen is the most significant and drafting him is the most significant thing they've done in the last six, seven years. But I'm going to tell you, a really under the radar, you're number five, my number five, let's just put them together, all right? Hyde and Poyer yeah. both re- or signing with the Bills during that offseason. It not only added to the talent and the back end of the defense, but it literally helped start to change the culture of this franchise. I can't say enough good things about either of them. So anyway, yeah, I got Micah Hyde at number five. Number four, complete agreement with you. We both have Vaughn Miller at number four. I don't have the exact stat in front of me. But I did see something on Twitter where when Vaughn Miller was in the lineup, the Bills were like in the top three in the NFL in percentage of uh, quarterback pressures. And when he was out, they were like around 20th. Like they were in the bottom third of the league. So he literally makes that much of an impact. You said it perfect. He was well on his way to double-digit sacks last year. And I remember when they signed him, my first thought was, you always look at a contract and sometimes that contract could be deceiving and you look at him like God, he's not worth that money man it's um you know they're paying for a guy who's well past his prime you know probably you know more of a name at this point than a player that was dead wrong because he looked fit absolutely fantastic last year when he was in this lineup again i mean i, I said it tongue-in-cheek but i was also being kind of serious I wouldn't put too much stock into to him being here week one because he said that. Um, that said, I don't think he needs to be necessarily. They they did sign Floyd. They got results. So, I mean, you know, they're not. Floyd was a big signing for that reason. But yeah. w- when Vaughn is back, he makes this defense better. And we saw before the injury, not only forget about how many sacks he had, but when he had them. He had big plays at big moments. We got a glimpse of that. That's why they signed him for a big sack in the fourth quarter of a playoff game. You know what I mean? And that's, he didn't make it to the playoffs because he got hurt. But you could see that when he was in the lineup, that he's that guy who makes that big play in the biggest moment. 
Well, he had the big sack uh, in the final drive to to help seal the victory against the Kansas City Chiefs, right? That again, sure. coming off of 13 seconds, we yeah. probably put more stock into that regular season game, uh, you know, than maybe that that you should have. But it was almost like this is why we lost that that game in the playoffs. Here's the guy that you signed to fix it, and here he is making the play to to really help seal the game. Now. A big piece along that too, and it ties into not to get off on too much of a tangent, but you know that quarterback show on Netflix, and I've not watched it, but people were up a little bit of you know oh Patrick Mahomes in the clip saying well I think the Bills are a better matchup, um, but I'd rather play the Bengals to kind of shut them up, and it was like right. listen though I don't take that the wrong way though because if I'm Patrick Mahomes and I'm playing the bills without number four on your list, Von Miller and without number five on your list, yeah. Hyde, like th- those are two pretty important pieces. So it just, it's uh, you know, to, to me, that was just one of those things that popped into my head because both those guys back to back on your list, like just how critical they are. And yeah. The bills still finished 13 and three and won a playoff game and, you know, came up short, but, you know that that's why kind of people sleeping on the bills just a little bit. Whenever Miller gets back, it'll be huge. You know, it's funny you say that because I did complain a little bit on on Twitter about Mahomes saying that he would rather match up with the Bills, and my reasoning was, well, the Bills beat them two straight years in Kansas City during a regular season, and were it not for I don't even want to get into why, but the thirteen seconds, it would have yeah. been three, including a playoff game. But you're actually right. No Von Miller, no Micah Hyde a walking wounded Jordan Boyer who's number five on your list. So yeah. I could, I guess, see why he would think that the Bills were a better matchup at that time. Um, all right, so number three, you had him at number two, so we kind of got these guys flip-flopped. I, Stephon Diggs, I, I said it when, when you talked about him. I just think he's an absolute, complete receiver. He can literally do everything for the Bills. I can't imagine. Look, Josh Allen, I think, would be good no matter who was his skill position players, just because I think Josh Allen's a special quarterback. But Stefan Diggs has elevated Josh Allen's game a lot. You know, they complement each other. You can also say the same thing with Josh about Stefan, but, you know, he really compliments him a lot. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm not worried at least a little bit about how this offseason has played out, especially maybe if things don't go well early on. You know, maybe we might have to strap that seatbelt on and just, you know, and hope for the best. But anyway, this guy's just a, a special receiver. You kind of hit on this. I'm going to go one step further. I think he already is the best receiver the Bills have ever had. He's been here three years. He's had the best three seasons statistically in the entire history of this franchise. What more can you say than that? You know, he's just been absolutely phenomenal. Everything, like you said, everything you can ask for and more. No, the guy's a stud. I mean, it's again, yeah. we could go on and on about how good Diggs is. And and, yeah. and I think too, right? I mean, we're what, just uh just over a week away from the start of training camp. I I think we'll get a pretty good glimpse soon enough and hopefully all that subsides. I really hope so. I hope again, we'll save this maybe for next week. I really hope he talks quick. I know. Get the shit over with. Um, all right, moving on. Number two. Again, we had these flip up. I got Matt Milano. I said it when when you talked about him. He's an all-pro. He's literally an all-pro linebacker, and I still think he's underrated. I still think he's underrated around the league. Um, he just makes plays everywhere. You know, I go back to the Cincinnati game and how embarrassing and frustrating, and it's so hard to watch that game. Almost everybody on that team stunk, except Matt Milano. Matt Milano yeah. played his ass off against the Bengals. He's like one of the very few players on that team. In fact, I remember it was him and Kyrie Elam. To me, 
Those were the only two guys on the defense that even showed up against the Bengals in the playoffs. He's just been a, a model of consistency. He's a playmaker. You know, I love Tremaine and don't miss him. I mean, there's no denying it. He, Tremaine Evans is better than whoever's going to be that middle linebacker this year. And anyone who says otherwise is fooling themselves. But as much as I liked Tremaine, he wasn't a big playmaker. Matt Milano yeah. is a playmaker, man. He finds the football. He gets big sacks, interceptions, forced fumbles, fumble recoveries. He's a, he's a legitimate playmaker. And the biggest knock on him would be that, you know, he can't stay healthy. I think he's been healthy, especially the last couple of years, plenty. And I, I, I just think he's a rock on this team right now. I don't – this defense would be hurting big time, especially without Tremaine gone. You know, with Tremaine gone, I think if Matt Milano went down, this defense could be in trouble. No, such a – again, a great pick. I mean, you think a, a fifth rounder coming into the team. I mean, you just look back at it. Just uh, – I tend to be one of those guys sometimes. It's just like, ah, whatever, you know trade the fifth round pick for a veteran or use the fifth round pick to, you know, to trade up earlier in the third round or the second round, do whatever you have to. But then when you look at things like that, that hit, I mean, Matt Milano, truly one of the best. Yeah, he is. And look, number one, I'm not going to say anything about it. It's Josh Allen. You said it all. He's one of the best players in the NFL. And he's certainly one of the most, I mean, this is the list of our, our 10 best, not necessarily our 10 most fun, but, He's just fun to watch. This is like an added bonus as well. I mean, I could sit here. Why waste time? It's Josh Allen. So um, we're going to take a quick break, come back, got a couple more Bills things, and then we'll do our um, finish the sentence segment too. So be right back. All right, I'm back with Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings. So uh, without getting too much into these, because it's still ongoing, um, Jeremy Fowler from ESPN put out, um, or not put out, he, he polled um, executives, players, coaches, and scouts around the league. And he has a series going on right now of the top 10 positional players, you know, guys at each position around the league. Let me run off from what he's done so far, just quickly, and I'll get a quick thought from you. Um, in terms of the Buffalo Bills, Quarterbacks, Josh Allen is third. I mean, Mahomes and, and Burrow are ahead of him. I'm not surprised, I guess, at this point. Um, he's got Matt Milano is the fourth best linebacker. That's pretty impressive. On the edge, Vaughn Miller's ninth. Um, tight end, Dawson Knox made the list. He's ninth. And then um, corners, Trey White, only got an, he got an honorable mention, which I think is fair at this point. And safeties. You know, first I was mad until I saw how good the, the players were on this list. But both yeah. Boyer and Hyde, who both made our list earlier, honorable mention. Um, it's a lot. Now, Stefan Diggs is obviously on the wide receivers. As we tape this, they haven't gotten done wide receivers yet. So, obviously, Stefan will be um, on that list, too. So, when it comes to top 10 players in the league, Bills are are pretty well represented. Anything that I just say kind of stick out to you? you? You know, I would say this. I mean, seeing Matt Milano at number four, that was uh... – that was great, right? Because, yeah. again, I'm not someone here. Like, I can't go through and rank off linebackers for you. But to see that he's getting that that level of respect, kind of that ascension for him, I thought that part was great. Um, the other piece that stood out was really around Dawson Knox. And I feel like sometimes as a uh, as a fan base in this mm -hmm. offseason with the drafting of Dalton Kincaid, he's been a little bit of a forgotten guy. But I do think as fans, we, uh, we kind of get, like, the skew between – the team and almost like fantasy football, right? Like the statistics that come with mm -hmm. things and how many catches is a guy getting, how many touchdowns. But as a player, I mean, Dawson Knox is really a 
you know, a complete tight end, his kind of ability as a blocker, what he can do, um, whether he's lining up in the backfield as a pass catcher, a red zone threat. I mean, he is, he is the real deal. So to see him at number nine on the list, that kind of put a smile on my face. Cause it was just like, Oh, you know what? He deserves some of that, some of that respect and, and certainly got it, but nothing else was really a, a surprise to me. I mean, again, maybe with Poyer and Hyde, like not being higher on the list, but as you said, there's a lot of talent at the safety position, two guys over the age of 30, nothing I would argue about. Yeah. And I'm trying, I, while you were talking, I was trying to find uh, a quick link to the list and, and I can't find it. Cause I wanted to know, I was going to run off the 10 safeties that made it. And also the three linebackers in front of Milano, but I can't find it. But anyway, yeah, I, I think these are pretty well uh, represented and I'd be stopped, shocked in the next day or so when wide receivers come out if Stefan's not in the top at worst five, you know, yeah. maybe uh, a little bit higher. All right. So DeAndre Hopkins signed with the Tennessee Titans two years, 26 million um, up to 32, potentially to finally lay the rest. Any speculation of him going to the Buffalo Bills? That was a pretty wild ride, man. Um, in fairness, you know, I like to blame fans for always driving stories, sometimes the media. But in this case, you know what? DeAndre drove this story a little oh, bit yeah. himself with some of his tweets and Instagrams and, you know, the Buffalo Soldier thing and the look on his face when, uh, you know, he did an interview and the guy mentioned Josh Allen. So DeAndre kind of fueled a lot of this. But look, at the end of the day, um, the, these teams just weren't interested in, in paying him. Tennessee was, and quite clearly, that's why he was. I'm going to assume you don't blame him for for taking the money, right? You, like, it's it's easy to sit here and say, well, how do you not go to a team? Don't you want to win a ring? Go to the Bills, go to Chiefs. But you know what? If the Bills are offering you $2 million, $3 million, and another team's offering you sixteen, who are you going to leave $13 million on a table, you know? No. And it's, you know, it's interesting, right? And all the conversation around the franchise tag and running backs and you see some people like, well, you know, they make all this money to play a game. And it's like, yeah, you, you get that part, but it's always too like, well, how much has he earned in his career? Like, why does he need an additional $8 million? Like, well, it's $8 million. Like, I mean, come on. Like, it's not, yeah. Like, what, what, of course he's going to take the the money. Like, yeah, he wants to compete. Of course he's going to say he wants to go somewhere to compete for a Super Bowl. Sure. And I also believe that going to Tennessee, he's believing in himself that like, listen, if you put me on this team with Derrick Henry, I'm one of the best wide receivers in the game. One of the best backs. Mike Vrabel considered a great coach. Like, yeah, we're going to come out and be a contender. Now you might not believe that. I might not believe that. But in his mind, it's like, of course, he's going to think that way. He's not just like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to, uh, you know, the Carolina Panthers and, you know, thinking all that type of stuff. Like, yeah, the Titans might not be there, but at least in his head, he can probably be like, I, I can be the difference maker in this wide receiver core that that they have. So no, I hold nothing against him for that. Hey, did it make for some fun uh, chatter over the past couple of months? And I agree with you. Like, he helped to to fuel that, which was another, I guess you could say like gift of the off season of you need something to talk about. Heck this Deandre Hopkins thing. I mean, really out there from, you know, speculation of a trade happening in March, then leading up to the draft, then his release. I mean, it carried over four months of content. That was a pretty good thing. And, uh, you know, but it's over now and he didn't go to the chiefs. So I'm good. Look, I, I am 
confident that the Bills were interested in him and they had a hard number and they were like, if you're going to come down here, then, you know, then we'll get serious. It never did. You know, it's funny. And look, it's not just Bills fans. I'm sure fans of every team that were allegedly in on Hopkins that, you know, fans that envisioned him on their team. It's funny how he was so much, he was a much better player until he signed with Tennessee. And then all of a sudden he's washed, he's slow, he doesn't have it anymore. He doesn't care about football. You have Bills fans, a lot of Bills fans are saying that, which again, I only pay attention to Bills fans. I'm sure Jets fans are saying the same thing. I'm sure Chiefs fans are all saying the same thing right now. I agree with everything you said. I mean, Tennessee ain't winning. <laughs> it's, it's not going to happen. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not winning, but it's good for him. Go, go get your money. And to your point when, that you've talked about earlier, and you've talked about this a lot. One of the few people have talked about this a lot. So what do you think this means for a prediction that you've had all along that the Bills will sign Gabe Davis eventually to uh, a contract extension? I would think if you're a Gabe Davis guy, which, by the way, to some extent, I am. I was very high on him last year. Not a great season. Not a bad, not as bad of a season either as some people think. But anyway, I'm still pretty high on the guy. And I think he's healthy and I think he's highly motivated in a contract year. Well, at least as of right now, it's a contract year. Anyway, uh, your thoughts on Gabe Davis and maybe if Hopkins going to another team, but this does open the door for the Bills to want to sign this guy uh, to an extension right now. Yeah, I mean, with DeAndre Hopkins going to Tennessee, you can look at Gabriel Davis and think to yourself like, yeah, the Bills have a, a decent depth chart at wide receiver, but let's be honest. I mean, you've got Stefan Diggs, and then if Davis leaves after this year in free agency, you're bringing back Deontay Hardy. You're bringing back Khalil Shakir. Like, yeah, you can put some stock in those guys, but Gabriel Davis is a proven number two wide receiver. Mm -hmm. And again, we talked about heading into 2022. It would have been impossible for him to live up to the expectations. Yeah. Everyone was talking about Gabriel Davis after that game against the Chiefs as a breakout star, breakout potential, where you should draft him in fantasy football, all these different things. And it was just kind of like, all right, that's a little bit much. That's a little bit crazy. So now I think the expectations are probably where they should be. Here's a guy that is that is successful, that is going to continue to be successful. The coaches love him. The general manager loves him. His quarterback loves him. In each of these past three off-seasons, I talked about this on my show this week, in 2020, it was early September, the Bills signed Tredavious White to his contract extension. In 2021, it was in early August that Josh Allen got his contract extension. And then last September, it was Dawson Knox. They've done this each of the past three years with a player that they have outwardly gushed about. Gabriel yeah. Davis fits that. And it's like, listen, if you sign him to a four-year contract at like $12 million a year, and that's not even getting into like the guarantees. Well, if you factor in what his current contract is, that's about five years at $50 million. $10 million for a number two wide receiver that has proven himself to, you know, hey, he's not exactly where you want him to be yet. He's 24 years old. Like he is nowhere near his peak, nor should he be. Um, so personally, I think it's something that the timing works now better than letting him go through the season, get to free agency. If he has some sort of a breakout, you're never going to get him from cheaper for cheaper than you can right now. 
So yeah, my prediction look, is they will look to sign him in August or before you know that first game against the Jets. I, I think that's a great point. By the way, if you're watching this on the YouTube side, I need a goddamn producer, man. You're talking, and I'm pulling up the first question for our uh, finish the sentence segment, which we're going to get to in just a minute. So if you're watching on YouTube and you, you saw what the first question is going to be. But anyway, yes, I think they learned a little bit from losing Tremaine Edmonds. They, they didn't sign him to a long-term deal. Maybe when if Brandon B, maybe he wanted would like to add that back. Let him go into his contract here. He had his best season by far, and then he cashed in with the Chicago Bears. Um, they took a preventative measure to, to not let that happen with Ed Oliver. They've already signed him to a four-year extension. I certainly could see it with Gabe Davis, and I'm closer to being along the line. He's such a polarizing guy. And, and what he did against Kansas City, and at times – um, in 2021, made you really think, yeah, he's this guy's going to get a thousand yards. He's he's going to put up T. Higgins wide receiver number two numbers, and there's only one or two receivers number twos in the NFL that are going to do that. I still think Gabe Davis is a very solid number two. I think he's very capable. I also don't think he's reached his ceiling yet. I yeah. still think he could be better. You know, he's not, put it this way: he ain't getting double teams. You're not right. double teaming him when you got Stephon Diggs out there, and you got Dawson Knox, and you got first round pick Dalton Kincaid. There's going to be a lot of opportunities. The Bills hopefully are going to be able to run the football better. So I think there's lots of opportunities out there for uh, Gabe Davis. And to your point, I would not be the least bit opposed if they locked him up right now because I agree with you. He goes out, he has a really good season. He might price himself out of Buffalo next year. And, you know, you, you got enough things to worry about on this team over the next few years. So if you could get a guy locked up, I, I think you'd do it. So No, I, I, I think it would be great, and we'll see. I mean, I'm sure – if it doesn't happen, there's some people that'll dig up that old tweet and be like, you don't know what you're talking about. But like I said, just a, it's just a hunch, and I would not be shocked if it, if it happened. One more question, then we'll get to our, our segment to end the show. Um, quick question, too. We're, camp starts now. Do you think – I had this discussion with Joe Yerden on, on the show yesterday. We slightly uh, disagreed. Do you think the AFC East right now is the best division in football? You, you know, so listen, it's – and I, and I listened to the show with with Joe, and it was a it was a great listen. I, I don't know, right? And that's like, and I say that because I'm so focused on the AFC East. Like, do I really stop to take the time sure. to look at the others? You know, you can look at the AFC North and say, well, obviously the Bengals are great, the Ravens, yeah. right? You get Lamar Jackson and everything they are. The the Steelers, you know, hey, they're they're making the transition. I don't know how good always competitive is going to be, but like still, that's not a team I you know want to go up against when it comes to that defense and Mike Tomlin, you know. And then the the fourth team, well, yeah, it's the Browns. Much as I hate the Sean Watson, is like, is this guy going to come back and you mm -hmm. know be able to bring that franchise to where it was? So I look at the I look at the AFC North, I look at the NFC East. You Me know, too. I. I you know, I think from that perspective would also be in the discussion. And I would still put the AFC West in the conversation. And I know last year they were put on such a pedestal and Russell Wilson kind of fell on his face. Now, hey, can Sean Payton, you know, resurrect that career and, and what that team can be? And honestly, I know a lot of people want to just look past the the Raiders, but you know, listen, they got Jimmy Garoppolo, they still got Josh McDaniels, they got Devontae Adams, like they're not going to be the best team, but you know, you're also looking at who the Patriots are right now. And, you know, they're part of the AFC East. So uh, definitively, I can't say yes. Those are the, you know, those are the four that I, that
that I look at, but it's it's definitely in the mix, but in no way would I say definitive. And the All AFC right. North, I think, is the greatest, you know, competition to to that title. That's fair. And also, to be fair, it's a really stupid question because if I asked you that a week before training camp last year, we both would have been like, it's not even closest to AFC West. And that's yeah. not the way it ended up uh, playing out. All right, let's get to our finish the sentence segment. I'm going to ask you four questions. Three of them are not sports questions. Same thing as every week. Just, uh, again, pop culture stuff. Well, for the most part, pop culture stuff. I For people who are new to the show, I'm going to I'm gonna read a statement. And, and you simply put, you're going to finish the sentence. Uh, first one, a random thing that reminds you of your childhood is blank. Well, and for those watching on the video side, I am wearing a Topps baseball shirt. Yes, so not you by, are. Not by a coincidence today. And, you know, ah. I was born I was born in 75, Pat, right? So mm -hmm. kind of when, you know, that baseball card boom started to take off in like 84, 85, 86, 87. Basically where cards went from being, uh, you know, having a lot of value to being mass produced where they're kind of worth nothing at this point. Mm -hmm. That was the phase of like, Eh, you know, I got a, a a paper route. I got some money in my pocket. I'm old enough to, you know, kind of venture to whatever convenience store has, you know, the tops packs at 35 cents each or whatever, whatever it was. And like, when I think of my childhood, that was such a big piece of what we did, right? Like collecting cards, getting cards as a gift, mm -hmm. trading cards with your friends, just that like joy of opening a pack and getting a Cal Ripken card or for me, Eric Davis or Kirby Puckett, or, you know, you just remember those kind of the excitement of like, Oh my gosh, like there's a Mark McGuire rookie card in this series and just going through. And, you know, it was such a big piece. Even remember some of those packs, they would have like 30 cards and there would be one showing on the outside front and then outside back. Right. It was yeah. a clear coat. And I remember it would be, Oh, if it's the one with, something like you know burt blylevin on the front those are the ones that has the bo jackson rookie card on the inside <laughs> and um you know so it's it's random you know for kids today my you know my son collected cards a bit growing up but you know it's it's very different now right like it's almost like a very different business side of it where that was sure. just you know having a shoebox full of cards running over to your friend's house to to go through and trade so for me, um, the, the guys from Homage, they came out with this whole line of, of tops. Yeah, that shirt's cool, man. Here, and it just, uh, it, it brings me back in a way to, to my childhood. And just, uh, I, I remember that really, really fondly. You so. know, I, we're close. I got you by a couple of years. I also, I grew up um, collecting baseball cards. I would say from the, the late 70s to the mid 80s, I was obsessed pretty much with baseball cards. I remember one year for my birthday, all I got were baseball cards and my whole family would just buy a bunch of packs of baseball cards. Yeah. I took really shitty care of them, you know, <laughs> well, through the years I didn't, you know, I, I made sure, you know, the corners, they got creased, they got messed up. I literally would flip around like a lot of kids because to yeah. your point, now it's a business. When you and I were little kids, we weren't thinking of a business. We were just thinking of getting really cool cards. You know what I mean? Um, sure. So that, that, that's a great answer. It really is. And I never thought of it until you, until you said it. I don't know what your answers are going to be, by the way. For people well, and it was one of those things, too. I don't know if you saw uh, Sal Capaccio and his son Max went down, I think, to Yankee Stadium. 
Yeah, and I did. He, he bought some like old school packs of cards and he uh, he put on Twitter, you know, he had the piece of gum. He's like, should I eat this 35 year old yeah. piece of gum? And he did. And it was just like, oh my gosh, Sal, like have some I, 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 or something with you. Cause I mean, it was nasty when that, that gum was considered fresh. 35 years old is. Uh, I used to shove gum. it down my mouth though. I would buy four packs of cards and i would like go through them or whatever and i would shove four sticks of gum in my mouth <laughs> at one time that's a great answer for me and they're not really around anymore but blank cassette tapes that's what reminds me of being a kid you know the lost art of putting a blank cassette tape in there listening to the radio finding a song you like hitting record making your own mixtapes out of these blank cassette tapes that probably reminds me of uh being a kid more than uh anything else all right let's move along next one here Popular TV show I've never watched that I'll eventually get around though seeing is like. So I'm cheating here a little bit because I watched the first season and it's Better Call Saul. And mm -hmm. then um then I stopped watching after after that point. And you know, that was one I was late to watching Breaking Bad, right? Like Breaking Bad had finished, and then I was like, gosh, this is a show I have to get back and watch. And I sort of like binged all six seasons or whatever it was. I remember I was traveling a lot for work and it was just, you know, it was easy to to bang out a few episodes here and there. And then uh and then with Better Call Saul, it was like, okay, well let me transition to this. Watch that first season. And that was probably five or six years ago that I did that. And I haven't gone back and watched since. So that is that is the first one that comes to mind that just like uh, so again, I've seen the the first season, but everything that I've missed uh, missed since then. So that's the one on my list. Without giving any spoilers away, get back to watching it. I'm going to tell you okay. right now. You know, everyone's talking about Succession being one of the greatest TV shows of all time. It's not even the greatest TV show of this year. Better Call Saul was to me significantly better than uh, Succession. So I'm just putting that out there. For me, you know. I like network shows. I used to anyway, but there's not Chicago fire is a show that sounds like it's pretty interesting. I hear a lot of people talk about it. I've never watched it and I'm just dying to find a network TV show. That's any good because I never watched net. The few TV shows I watch, though, they're always Netflix or, or HBO. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I used to sit there, me and my wife, we used to watch a, a network drama almost every day. Like we're in the days of Hill street blues or more recently like house and shows like that. I just, ER, things like that. Um, they're just not on anymore. But I've heard good things about Chicago Fire. So maybe uh I would pick that one. All right, two more here. Famous Queen guitarist Brian May turned 75 today. God damn, 75 years old, Brian uh, May. My favorite Queen song is blank. You know, this is so cheesy, and I was gonna go with something else, but it is Bohemian Rhapsody, right? Yeah. And kind of like for the age when I grew up when the Wayne's World movie came out, and that song literally became a phenomenon like, you know, went from being a, a song in the 70s to number one on every chart because of Wayne and Garth. And it just, it's its so, you know, I, I could i could look to the catalog and try to say like, oh gosh, there's got to be a song that I like better. But, um, you know, it just brings back, I mean, kind of to a weird teenage phase in your life where like everyone was just singing that song and it just uh it puts a smile on my face so that's it all right um i'm gonna cheat a little bit because it's kind of a tie radio gaga i love playing that at bars people get into it that that song it's not one of the most popular songs but it's one of my favorite but if i had to pick one it would be cheesy again here too but we are the champions and the reason being is i grew up at, on the west side playing floor hockey 
at uh, Nativity. That was like the big childhood thing for all the for all the kids in the West Side to play. And whoever won the championship, like when it be championship week, they would play that song really loud so you could hear it. Everybody wanted to hear We Are the Champions. So winning a championship when you were a little kid playing floor hockey and hearing that song was the bomb. So for that reason, uh, I'll pick that. All right, we're going back to the Buffalo Bills here with the last one, which I usually don't do with this segment, but I wanted to get, I want to know what you think. If you were forced to trade Josh Allen, and let me emphasize this, Josh Allen's not getting traded, all right? But if you were forced in our little game here to trade Josh Allen, and it could not be for Patrick Mahomes, or it could not be for Joey Burrow, it'd be for blank. Like, if you had to trade Josh, you can't get Mahomes back, you can't get Burrow back. Who would you trade him for, straight up, a player? Yeah, I uh, I went back and forth on this one a lot. Right. Yeah. And it, you know, Jalen Hurts came to mind, but I was just like, is he more of a product of the system? You know, great mm-hmm. offensive line, great defense, what that coaching staff is doing. I just couldn't, I, I couldn't go there. I ended up going with Trevor Lawrence. And I think for someone, you know, a consensus number one overall pick, everything that he did out of Clemson, his rookie year was a disaster because he was playing for Urban Meyer. Now he's with Doug Peterson, and it's just like, I mean, the, the guy has resurrected Zay Jones' career in a great way, and I'm, I say that like a little tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, happy to see for, for Zay. And Trevor Lawrence, I think, would be the guy. I couldn't do Justin Herbert. I'm not sold on him for, um, for what he is as a, a quarterback yet. So I thought Trevor Lawrence would be, would be the one. I uh, I pick Kirk Cousins. I'm joking. <laughs> oh, my, oh my God. I Kirk Cousins. You know what? I, got, I get queasy thinking about it. I would pick Justin Herbert, but I agree with you as well. I'm not sold on him. His talent is unbelievable. I mean, he throws such a beautiful football. He has yeah. moments where he looks like the he looks as good as Mahomes or Josh for a lot of lot of a uh, lot of points of games. But then he makes mistakes, and he just I don't know. He's just, he just hasn't done enough yet for me to be confident that I would pick him. So I guess if I have to pick someone, it's him. But my real answer is. Nobody. <laughs> Don't just it's it's one of those pieces. I threw this out hypothetically years ago, um, before the Bills had drafted Josh Allen. It's like, how many first round draft picks could you offer for Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Right? Like, how many picks would it take before Green Bay would say yes at that time? And I know there's rules about how far into the future you can trade picks and all that type of stuff. But just you know, hypothetically, it's like. Yeah, it's it's an interesting piece, and and even with that, it's like no Bills fan would trade Josh Allen for Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow, just like no Chiefs fan would right. trade Patrick Mahomes for either of those two guys, nor would a Bengals fan trade Joe Burrow for any of those two guys, and that's what makes it a lot of fun. I mean, these next ten years, I mean, these guys can be the you know the reincarnation of Elway, Marino, Kelly, Montana, whatever whatever you want to call it. Um, it's kind of a golden age at quarterback and that's not even getting into Jalen hurts and Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott and, you know, Trevor Lawrence and just guys that are, that are that good. So that was a good question though. That one, that one definitely had me Look, scratching from, my head. from a bill's perspective. It's just fun that you got a quarterback that there might at most be maybe, maybe two players in the league that you would even consider uh, trading from. But anyway, all right, that's going to do it for today. Make sure you follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony Marino. Check out, Breaking Buffalo Rumblings. Check out Buffalo Rumblings, the whole podcast, Vidcast Network. Till next week, training camp's going to be starting, man. Going to have a lot more Bills stuff to talk about.
listen, it'll be great to actually talk about real football and not just, uh, you know, again, DeAndre Hopkins and Stefan Diggs and everything that's taking place to just see how it comes together. So I'm ready.